Good afternoon. Um, I was saved at age 20. I don't want to start there at age 20. Let me rewind a little bit and hopefully not take too much time with preliminaries. I was born in Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Uh, my mom came from my dad's from Lincoln, Nebraska. I know where that is. And, oh, I've got it written down here. My mom is from Fort Benning, Georgia. My mom was raised as a military brat, an army brat. She was moving every two years. And some way, somehow, she got, maybe it was just the next move. Um, so many of her side of the family, the Brennans, live in O'Neill, Nebraska. And some, some way, somehow, once she got to Nebraska, she met up with my dad on the steps of the cathedral in downtown Lincoln, Nebraska, across the road from the University of Nebraska. Um, something I learned just in recent years from my dad as we made a couple trips to Lincoln about the Foster family, that side of it, they like to reuse first names from generation to generation. So we have multiple Johns and Johnnies and Ed and Tom and Rich. I saw one picture going through Dad's stuff after he died a couple of years ago. And the, underneath these three nice-looking guys, maybe college age, their names are written. And I think it was Tom and Ed and Rich. But it wasn't us. It wasn't <laughs> myself and my brothers. Um, my mom, um, her contribution to my background was her love of swimming. Once they moved from Lincoln, where they were married, to uh, Milwaukee, Wisconsin, they discovered that Milwaukee is covered with a number of city pools. And I was out swimming with my mom in a baby pool at the ripe old age of eight months one day, and I was sitting there in her lap, and I just decided to lean forward and push off. And that's where, my started, where I started my swimming. And it was either that day or the very next day we came back to that pool. She said, we'll just go bypass the baby pool, and we'll go to the, the regular size pool. You know, it's water three and a half feet deep or so. And I just loved it. All I needed her for was to just from time to time lift my head above water so I can grab another breath. And I wasn't really swimming any stroke known to man. It was just, I was just kind of, how did mom describe it? I forget. But I was just kind of scrambling ahead like this. Maybe a kind of very impromptu uh, dog paddle. Um, the 1960s, that gets us through the 50s. About 1959, we moved to Omaha, Nebraska, uh, which is closer to my dad's parents in Lincoln. Um, while we lived there in Omaha in the 1960s at some point, my mom's mother came to live in Omaha just a couple blocks away to help uh, corral some of us kids. We grew to a family of nine, uh, my mom and dad and seven children by the time we moved from, Stor from Omaha to Storm Lake. Um, we continued with our love of swimming in Omaha 
I have memories of going to Peony Park and Miller, Miller Park uh, very frequently until one day the city of Omaha decided to build a pool in Gallagher Park, which is just two blocks away from our house. At the time when they put in that pool, a family pass for the entire summer, and we had seven kids, family pass, $25 for as much swimming as you can do for an entire family. My mom sent me off to kindergarten, which was just up the street, a couple of blocks, just the other side of Military Avenue on the north side of Omaha, to Rose Hill Elementary School. And every day as I would come and go uh, to kindergarten, I'd pass this big church on the west side of 56th Street, just south of Military Avenue. And I began to wonder as a kindergartner, what do other churches, other people believe about Jesus Christ and about you know, are they Christians just like Catholics are Christians? I was raised Roman Catholic. And uh, once I got to first grade, I, like my older brother Tom, went off to St. Bernard's Catholic School about a mile away from our home. In the 1970s, once I got to my high school years, I joined the swim team of Omaha Rummel on the north side of town, which is like three miles from our home. Tom and I mistakenly went over to uh, what we thought was swimming lessons one Friday, Friday morning, and there weren't any swimming lessons, but the swim team was there getting ready for a meet. And so Tom and I both thought that, that sounded like a lot of fun to go out for the team, so we did. And the next two summers, we were on the team. And Tom also joined the swim team at Omaha Rummel. And then when Tom was a senior in high school, I, I started in as a freshman. So I had two years of swimming at Omaha Rummel from, I think, 1969 through 71. June 15, 1971, we made the move to Storm Lake, um, where I first had my first contact with born-again Bible-believing Christians. They invited me out to a charismatic Christian coffee house, and they shared the gospel with me as four spiritual laws, which was four things I already believed as a Roman Catholic. So I thought, oh, why is, what's with this excitement about being born again? I believed all that as a Roman Catholic, and I've never really gotten excited about my faith, other than maybe being an altar boy. So I first came in contact with Christians my junior year of high school. I went off to college at the University of Northern Iowa because as I was swimming in the summer, and now we had moved to Storm Lake, I'd heard, well, Storm Lake was a part of a six-city uh, swimming conference that included Storm Lake, Sheldon, Cherokee, Emmitsburg, and Esterville. I think that's five or six. And um, so I swam on the summer team there two years. And I learned through one of the coaches there of an opposing team that the University of Northern Iowa, the swimming team had been developed to such a point that they were pulling in people like the top guy in the state in my event, as well as taking walk-ons, like the coach at Esterville, Iowa, who was uh, another distant swimmer like myself. So I was thinking, the University of Northern Iowa might be a good school to check out as far as uh, pursuing my career path, my goal of one day uh, getting a job teaching at the high school level. It didn't matter what, but just so I could coach swimming at the high school level. So I started UNI right out of high school in the fall of 1973 with hopes of walking onto the team. The coach at the time was Glenn Henry, and 
just at that point, he had been developing swimmers and bringing them onto the team, as well as people he was recruiting in. At that point, I discovered the lane wasn't six lanes by 25 yards like a normal racing pool, but it was four lanes and just 20 yards long, so they can only fit 16 people on the team. Uh, so that left me kind of out, out in the cold, but praise the Lord, the, the coach did allow me to stay on the team for two years, helping out to, to manage the team. And so it was while I was at UNI, I came in contact with more Christians. I, I continued to have Christians as my friends, I, and I'd continue to ask them my Roman Catholic questions. I wanted to know if there was anybody who believed the Bible and yet also believed what they knew what they believed about thou art Peter and upon this rock I'll build my church and other Catholic passages. And it was my junior year at UNI, I met someone who did. Her name is Sandy, and I told you about Sandy, um, I think. You know what happened on this date in Baptist history 48 years ago? That was 1975, October 22nd. I went over to her dorm, and she first opened up her Schofield Reference Bible and started sharing with me, starting with truths out of Matthew 16. And looking at the footnotes of the study Bible, I never heard any other view but the Roman Catholic one. And uh, so I asked a lot of questions of my friend Sandy, and she led me to Christ in a week and a half. Praise the Lord for that. That leads me to... 1977, where I had a little bit of a career crisis when I hit the time for student teaching. The time leading up to my student teaching, I'd had all my field experiences in the gym as a PE major, and then I went off to student teaching in economics in the classroom and totally bombed that in just a matter of days. It didn't take weeks, it took days. And that started a, a search for me looking at colleges all across the country, wondering, where do I finish up my bachelor's degree? And I didn't have any clear lead even after a year. Even uh, towards the end of 1978, a year later. But by that time, I'd started to think, I think I'll start to look at Christian liberal arts schools as well, like Wheaton College in Chicago, uh, Fort Wayne Bible College in Indiana, Cedarville College in Ohio, and Hal Miller of Campus Bible Fellowship, I stopped in to see him before I left Iowa, and he recommended I go out to see Baptist Bible College of Pennsylvania, which is finally the, the school I wound up going to after the Lord called me into ministry, in, kind of in the interim, between visiting all these schools, kind of settling on Cedarville, and then the Lord calls me into ministry. I was sitting uh, in an auditorium much like ours here, or kind of slants towards the front. I was sitting in the back serving as usher at First Baptist Church in Storm Lake. And the church at the time was without a pastor. And as churches are wont to do, maybe more non-reformed than reformed, they would have special music and they'd have a special music for the offering. And they'd have announcements and they'd have this, they'd have that, they'd have more more hymns and a choir number. And there's a time in the service the, the pulpit was just briefly vacant for a few seconds and I was sitting in the back serving as an usher and the Lord just kind of pointed his finger towards the pulpit and said, hey, you... And I, like pastor, I just kind of laughed at that. And then two seconds later, later the Lord reemphasized that, like, you didn't hear me the first time. And so I immediately 
began to research and ask preaching friends that I knew. I knew a pastor up in Spencer, 37 miles north of Storm Lake, and I, in time, joined his church while I was in Bible college out at BBC of Pennsylvania. And I asked another lay preacher in Storm Lake, a friend of mine at First Baptist, his thoughts and his feedback. So they were kind of encouraging of me in that direction. So I transferred, uh, began my studies at Baptist Bible College of Pennsylvania in the fall of 79 in pastoral studies. And I finished there in the bachelor's degree in 1985. The 1980s was a, a busy decade for me as, as far as Christian service went. Um, my basic go-to Christian service selection from semester to semester was, I'll do visitation. And then it became, would you take over the leadership of the career singles flock at Heritage Baptist Church across the campus from BBC? Heritage had, when I first came to, came to uh, Clark Summit, Pennsylvania, they were running about 350 on a Sunday morning. They got a good number of students because they were the nearest church to the campus. And while I was there in the 1980s, having nothing to do with me, but they grew the church to about 500 with a couple of pastors there. And one of the pastors um, took over as college president on the other side of Bernard Road. And so I, I'm trying to learn from the word at Heritage Baptist Church in Clark Summit. And another thing about the 1980s, I had opportunities to go not only on a six-week pastoral apprenticeship to Charleroi, Pennsylvania, on the shores of the Monongahela River, about an hour from Pittsburgh. I also had, in 1984, uh, great opportunity to go on a missionary apprenticeship program to, I think, the second largest Portuguese-speaking port in the world, which God placed in the state of Massachusetts, which is in North America. At the base of the hook is New Bedford, Massachusetts, where I had spent every day of my summer, 1984, working alongside a Baptist mid-missions missionary by the name of Dennis McCain and his team, he had grown the church, a missions church, to about 100 members who would show up every Sunday. So that, that kind of kept me busy in the 1980s with uh, singles ministry from 88 to 91, and pastoral apprenticeship, missionary apprenticeship, getting involved in teaching, preaching, discipleship, singles ministry. Then we come to the 1990s. I had my seminary internship uh, which was had become a part of the uh, Baptist Bible Seminary uh, program. The third year of your Master of Divinity program was to work full-time in an internship church, and the one I was plugged into was in Brownsburg, Indiana, outside of Indianapolis. Past the senior pastor there was Don Tyler. They had a pastoral staff of eight pastors and a Sunday morning attendance of 1,700, counting their various services. And so I was involved in singles ministry there, discipleship, uh, of course, visitation, teaching, preaching, things like that. And at the conclusion of my internship, I sat down with my internship coordinator. Uh, his name's Pastor Rich. He was involved. One of his responsibilities was to uh, recruit not, not necessarily from interns, but from somewhere, 
the church had a, they were running 1,700 people on a Sunday morning. They had a goal, 2,000 by 2,000. And that was not including planting a church a year around the perimeter of Indianapolis, being very successful at in year six of that 10-year goal. The end of my internship, to get back to Pastor Rich, he asked that I would come see him on a Friday morning, and he started telling me about, about this great missionary opportunity with the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism, who was opening up the field of Ghana, West Africa, an English-speaking field, and I was interested in uh, English-speaking Roman Catholic foreign fields. And that wasn't too Roman Catholic, but I was so interested in it because of who was opening in the field. That was Bob Dyer, who was a pastor of Vincenttown, New Jersey, and he had grown a church of 50 to 100 people to like five to 700 at the time, and he was taking internships every year and teaching them everything they could stand to learn from him. And now he is opening up the field of Ghana, West Africa, in the village of Ho. Not to be confused with another village in Ghana, West Africa, by the name of Ho Ho. Interesting names for villages. I, in time, wound up not in Ghana, but to Togo, which is to the immediate east of Ghana, and working with the Association of Baptists for World Evangelism. We were involved in four cities in Togo, the capital Lome and working northward, uh, the village of Palame and Chico Adeta, and eight hours north of the capital, Kara. And ABW in Togo is involved in as many ministries as you can imagine a missionary doing. They had a team of 40 to 45 missionaries there at the time, involved in discipleship, teaching, preaching, planting churches. And churches in Togo were not planted by the American missionaries as much as by the Togolese themselves. And when the thing grows to, you know, say 20, 30 adults, the Togolese pastor comes back to the missionary and asks for help. So uh, missionaries uh, of my mission board uh, kept awful busy in Togo, West Africa. I think I skipped over something that happened about time of graduation from seminary with my MDiv. How did Ghana close up and ABW Togo open up? Well, that's kind of a a God thing story that uh, covers about a week, just in introduction. Um, I had been canceled out of my Ghana opportunity with... um, with the pastor from Vincenttown, New Jersey there at the end of my internship and and I couldn't understand why that would be. I thought this was all. The internship knew my plans for missions with ABW from the start and my home church in Clark Summit, Pennsylvania knew. And so it just kind of blew up there the end of my internship. I finally got together with a couple of missionary recruiters that I'd known for years at the board, Bill and Don, and they're still my friends today, and I asked them what really happened here, and they didn't really know either from their side of the table. And it wasn't until we put our two stories together that it it was just kind of as as simple as this, if you can call this simple, because the church in Indianapolis, Brownsburg, Indiana, was not getting behind me as supporting church because I was going back to Pennsylvania to my home church. Because they weren't financially supporting me, that kind of pulled the plug with the mission board and no more, no more Ghana at that point. But nobody explained that to me. Um, so I wondered aloud, where does this leave me? And so as 
I was talking to the two missionary recruiters, Bill and Don. We finally put our stories together, and they committed themselves to looking all over the country for me to find the right church to plug me into a good internship that would hopefully spring me into a good uh, missions experience someday future. But before they could really do that, the Lord opened up this opportunity in Togo, West Africa. I'd become friends with uh, several missionaries from Togo, Dr. Bill Tinhaf, uh, Ron and Ann Washer, Ted and Marla Alston, and uh, Steve and Mary Jo Mills. And Steve Mills sent me this letter. Um, he had heard that I'd been canceled out of the candidate class of 93. And he says, and he'd been bugging me to go to Togo anytime I would see him on the campus of BBC. And the mission head there, any missionary that was on furlough was required to be on the campus of BBC every summer if you're in the country because they had a missionary enrichment conference there. And so he, he would pester me from summer to summer to go to Togo whenever he, he was on furlough. And missionaries in Togo had fur furloughs more frequently than other missionaries because their terms, because of the climate, was three years on, on the field and nine months back home. So he said, uh, you should go to Togo. And just kind of unexpectedly out of the blue, I received this prayer letter from Steve Mills of Togo, West Africa. And I thought, oh, great. He started me on his prayer letter list. But it wasn't a prayer letter. It was a, an actual personal letter. And letters, United States to Africa or Africa to the U.S. can take, it can take three weeks or it can take six months to arrive. And he, he had just arrived back on the field I forget, it was either August or September, the first part of the month, 1993, just months after I graduated. And he said, uh, just arrived back on the field. We just had a field council meeting, and we'd like to invite you out to Togo for a three- to six-month uh, short-term ministry. Can you be here in January of 1994? And I said, reading this, I thought that was kind of funny. As the mission had just canceled me out of missionary service like three months before that. And... I was reading this, uh, and I, I showed this to my friends. I was working in the food service at BBC, just trying to pay my bills, and I was telling people about it who were also working at, you know, middle of the afternoon shift. And next day, I come back to campus with the letter just to share my heart burden about this ridiculous opportunity in Togo. And I was telling anybody that would listen. Look at this ridiculous letter inviting me out to Togo. And you know, this isn't going to happen. Then because I had an appointment with my pastor Thursday of that week, we were meeting weekly at Heritage Baptist Church to uh, set up a new ministry at the church. I thought I'd leave him a copy. He could get a good laugh. And I knew he would say when we'd meet on Thursday, uh, no, you can't just go flying off to Togo. You have to wait around for candidate classes and maybe an internship stateside and, and blah, blah, blah. And so I met with him on a Thursday that last week of the month. And what we were talking about previous weeks, we set that all aside to start talking about Togo. And he told me, strange thing to say, but he said he had a meeting with the deacons the previous night, Wednesday night at the midweek service or after the service, and they put their stamp of approval on this Togo deal. So it looked like this thing was going through, but I knew this wouldn't be approved because the mission already told me, you know, you got to wait around for candidate classes. And they happen in the summer. 
So I call up the mission board on a Friday that week and talk to a recruiter by the name of Don Trott. And he says, no, immediately start contacting churches and raising support. Um, For something as short as three to six month ministry, you don't have to wait until candidate class. Just go on ahead. And missionaries in Togo were inviting me out to basically to teach four courses at the Bible Institute, Life of Christ, the Book of Acts, 1 John, and the Seven Laws of the Teacher. And besides that, preach three times a week, uh, Sunday morning, Sunday night, and midweek service at the Mission Hospital. And so some way, somehow, the Lord got me to Togo the end of February 1994 and just had a delightful three months out there and then as soon as I got back to the States, uh, entered into ABW's candidate class 1993. And then I went on from there, raised my support in about three years, speaking in about 150 churches, and then went off to French language school up in Quebec, Canada. The last semester of my French language school up there in Canada, my mom and dad were on vacation traveling in Wisconsin. And in the course of their travels, my mom's breathing became more and more difficult. She just couldn't pull in a breath. And it was a really scary time for mom and dad. And they found kind of the equivalent, Wisconsin's equivalent of the Mayo Clinic. You know, being from Iowa, they don't know roads in Wisconsin, but somehow the Lord directed them there. And that kind of affected, uh, in one way or another, my uh, plans for Togo. And I came back to Iowa, settled in Des Moines uh, on the west side at first, and got plugged into a couple of good churches for a time. Uh, Pastor... Pat Nemers at Sailorville Baptist. I was there at that church for the next five years, and I developed a singles ministry there, then did the same thing in my 12 years at Emmanuel Baptist Church on the south side of Des Moines, and that takes me up to 2017, and I uh, come to Tama, and here I am. Do you have any questions? That covers eight decades, more or less, in about uh, 25 minutes. How long were you in Togo? Just three months working with an, working with an interrupter. Didn't have any French or Eve or Cabier. Yeah. yeah. But thoroughly enjoyed it. Yes. Why did you come here? Um, here to um, Tema. Well, I came across pastor's sermons on the web, and I thought, hey, that's pretty good. And I, uh, I'd done some reading about what do Reformed Baptists believe. Kenneth Good wrote a book entitled, Are Baptists Calvinists? And by the title, I interpreted it to mean, no, they're not. So I'd ex- but that book by Kenneth Good taught me that Baptists are historically Calvinists. And then he wrote another book entitled Are Baptists Reformed? And I uh, thoroughly enjoyed both books, and so I wind up here, even though it's a longer drive than driving Storm Lake to Spencer. If not, um, let's close in prayer and then turn it over to Pastor. Dear Lord, I thank you for the opportunity you've given me today to share my uh, last 
a few decades. The way you've led all the way, my Savior leads me as, as the hymn writer has written. Lord, I just thank you for the open doors you set before us. I just pray that you'd use me here in this church. In Jesus' name, amen.